This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Probably one of the biggest responsibilities, and that's really what we're going to talk about today, responsibilities of a teacher and the ratio, the, the effect that a teacher can have on a child. I'm going to, I'm going to learn with you a chidah that's um, probably one of the most fascinating chidahs you'll ever hear. And I, I just want to go back to, I want, I want to start with, um, Baruch Hashem, I've been a Rebbe for 42 years, a long time, and um, had many different experiences with children. I was assistant principal in a yeshiva called Crown Heights Yeshiva Mill Basin, and um, a situation came up, I was the 8th grade Rebbe, a situation came up with a boy that did something really pretty bad, and um, I have some teachers actually that were, that shared those years with me, and the rule that we had made up is that to throw a child out of yeshiva, the principal of English and Hebrew, Harry Goldstein, Mrs. Wealthberg, my the assistant principal, and um, the teacher has to sign, in other words, it's like a bezin, everyone has to agree that this child has to leave yeshiva, and if there's someone to defend the child, they should, you know, they should speak up. Now, it was a school for kids who weren't from, who were coming from not religious families. So we knew that if we threw a child out, he would end up in public school and probably meet a non-Jewish woman and have children that aren't Jewish. And so it wasn't just like, he'll leave our yeshiva, he'll go to another yeshiva. We were the last stop. If he doesn't go to our yeshiva, he's going, he's going to end up in public school. So it was a, it was a very, very big responsibility um, to let a child go. So it happened to have been that I was going to Israel in the middle of this. I did not sign the paper. I didn't know really what to do. Um, he was actually a kid in my class. And um, I went to my Rebbe, Rabbi Gamliel Rabinovich, at the time. And I told him that we have a situation. This kid was a Mahdi. He didn't just do something, but he caused someone else to do something. And the yeshiva wants him out. It wasn't the first time. I said, I don't know what to do. They want me to sign a paper that he should be thrown out of yeshiva. And what's, you know... So this is what he told me, and, and it has helped me my whole life since then, and we're going back a long time, we're going back 25, more than 25 years. He said the following. He said, and I'm sorry that I'm doing this to all you teachers, but I'm one of you, um, and I did this in Torah Masora, and I'm going to do it to all of us, because it's something you need to know. So my Rebbe said to me the following. He said that everyone has three questions. You come up to Shemayim, did you, were you honest, did you... Uh, set aside time for Torah, did you want Mashiach and women, did you keep your husband honest, did you tell him to do things he shouldn't do, did you help him go to learn, did you push him to go to learn, and did you talk to your children about Mashiach? We all have that, everybody gets those questions. Interesting, the first question they ask you, were you honest? So they ask, what do you mean, isn't Talmud Torah connected Kulam? First question should be, did you learn Torah? So Rabbi Gamliel said, if you don't answer yes to the first question, they don't ask you the other two. If you're not honest in business, then all your Torah and Mashiach doesn't mean anything. So the first question is, were you honest? He said to me the following. He said, a Rebbe, a Mora, teacher, gets a fourth question. Hashem asks, did you treat my children that were in your class, because Hashem is a partner, like they were your own children? If the answer is yes... You're good to go, and we make mistakes with our own children. He said, but if the answer is no, well, it's not my kid, it's someone else's kid. He said, they put you in the Tahoim, which is the lowest part of Gehenna, and you'll never get out. So he told me. I said, what? He said, that's right. In the Tahoim of Gehenna, 11 months, Kaddish not going to help you. So I said to him, so then why would anyone want to be a Rebbe or a Mora? They don't pay you. They don't pay you a lot. Then they don't pay you. If the kids like you, the parents don't like you. If the parents like you, the Hanhala doesn't like you. It's the most unappreciative job in the world. And on top of that, we get a fourth question? Like, it's not, who, who would want such a job? He said, on the other side, the greatest reward, I actually saw this Zayar in Pasha Truma that he was quoting. On the other side, a person who treats God's children as a teacher or a mower or whatever it is, like it's, like it's your own children, the place that you sit in Gan Eden is the highest place where the greatest tzaddikim don't sit. That's what Desire says. And Hashem mentions your name, B'zivug, every day. 
So there's two sides to it. If you, do the, if you do it right, it's the best job in the world. If you do it wrong, it's the worst job in the world. And I got up in Torah and I said this. And it was a principal's, principal's teachers. And um, when I walked out, a Rebbe ran after me. And he said to me, Rebbe Wallstein, I'm done. I, I do not want to be asked that question. I, I don't know that I could treat the kids in my class like they're my own children. I'm done. I said, you're the only guy in the room that should have stayed if it bothers you that much. It's the opposite. So I'm telling you all right now that if you can't do that, get out. Become a secretary. I don't care what you become. Get out. If you cannot treat every child in your class like it's your own, don't be in chenach. There's, I don't want to say hell to pay, but that's exactly what there is to pay. He was very clear to me, my Rebbe. So I went back to Yeshiva Crown Heights, and I said, I thought very deeply, and I said, if this was my son, I would do anything in the world to keep him here. Therapy, deals, whatever I have to do. And if at the end of the day this was my son and he was ruining my class and he was ruining the yeshiva, I definitely would not send him away without finding him the best other place. Sometimes, even your own kid, you can't. You can't let him destroy your household. But tomorrow when you go to teach, you got to look at every little girl and you got to look at every little boy. And that's your kid. And believe me, when it's your kid... You think more than once or twice before you punish him and how you talk to him. Well, at least you're supposed to. Now, my Rebbe didn't get this from his own... didn't come from nowhere. It comes from a chidah. It comes from Megillah's Rus. It comes from the Torah. I'm going to read you this chidah. The chidah says the following. That Yaakov Avinu when he went to sleep on Har Maria and he had a dream, Pashat Vayetzeh, Pasuk Yud Gimel, V'hine Hashem Nitzav Alav, V'yoyme Ani Hashem, Hashem introduced himself to speak to him. He said, I am Hashem. Do you know who I am? Elokei Avram Avicha. I am the God of Avram, your father. Avram was not Yaakov's father. Avram was Yaakov's grandfather. And in the dream, Hashem is introducing himself, saying, I am the God of Avram, your father. And then Hashem says, Yitzchak. And I am the God of Yitzchak, and it doesn't say Avicha. He doesn't call Yitzchak Yaakov's father. What's going on over here? Avram is his father, he's really his grandfather. Yitzchak's his father, you don't even call him a father. You just call him Elokei Yitzchak. Okay. Chidah. The Chidah says the following, and he actually brings it down from Marisha, and it's not, it's not his. He says the following. Let me let me get the chidah. Sorry, it's a little bit out of order. Here, chidah says the following. If you want to look at it, Simon Yudches. Alokei Avram Avicha. Tema. I wonder. Shekarol Aziknay Aviv. He calls his grandfather Hashem. Calls his grandfather father. Ula Aviv Loikara Av. And to his father Yitzchak, he doesn't even call him his father. Nearly, it seems to me. Yaakov lived 13 years together, the same when Avram was alive. Avram was very close to him because he was sitting and learning. Because Avram loved Yaakov, his grandson, so much, he used to call him my son. Therefore, Hakadish Baruch Karu Aviv. If you call a child, even though you're a grandfather, a Rebbe, Boaz, to Rus, if you call a child your child in Hashem's world, cut off if you're his father or you're his mother. Aber Yitzchak, but Yitzchak, Shahaya Oyhev Esav Harasha, Yitzchak who loved Esav Harasha, Yaisem Imenu, more than Yaakov Avinu. Lo karu hakadosh baruch hu aviv. You love this son more than the other. I am not calling you his father. It's a pleadika chida, 
But he brings it down from the Rabbeinu Ephraim, who was a Rishon. And he goes through it and he explains. It's hard for us to understand such a thing. But what we see from here is that even if you're a grandfather, if you're a Rebbe, if you're a Mora, it doesn't make a difference. In Shemayim, who is considered a child's father, not the one who gave birth to them, but the one that treats that child like it's his child. He could be a grandfather, he could be a great-grandfather, he could be a Rebbe, doesn't matter who it is. And a, and a father who did not treat that child on the level that he treated Esau, Hashem left out of left out of Icha. But he says, the Chidah, when it comes to Yaakov Avinu, Yaakov Avinu has to call Yitzchak his father. And therefore, when it says, when Yaakov brought Karbanash to the God of his father Yitzchak, we learn from here that doesn't mention his grandfather Avram over here. Because when it comes to Kibbut of the Aim, that's a Baruch Hu talking to Yaakov in the dream. When it comes to us, doesn't matter if your father calls you daughter or not daughter, whatever he calls you, doesn't call you, doesn't make a difference. So Hashem says, keep it of the aim. When it comes to him bringing korbanos, it says the fa- his father Yitzchak, and doesn't say anything about Avraham Avinu. So th- this is a chidah. So when my Rebbe said that you have to have, you have to treat them like your own child, yes, in Shemayim, your student is your child if that's how you treat them. If she, and I'm going to tell you a crazy story about this. If that's how you treat them. Okay, that's the chidah. Now let's go to a Medjishtan Chuma. You say, listen, Rabbi Wallstein, eh, I have certain kids in my class that, that I treat like my own children. Teacher's pet, which you should never have, chas shalom. But there's some good kids in your class that you very, get very close to, and there's some kids that the minute you see them, you're like, now what? Right? So... I, I have 25 kids. I, I, I like 15. I like 18. I get along with 19, 20. Even though in Hichas Talmud Torah it's very clear, it's very clear in Hichas Talmud Torah that you're not allowed to teach a kid that you don't like. Either you have to leave the class or he has to leave the class. But in Hichas Talmud Torah it says if there's a student that you do not like, you are not allowed to teach him. You got to leave or have him leave. But you two cannot. You cannot teach someone you don't like. So it's a, look it up. It's in Hichas Talmud Torah. But okay. Now let's go to a Medrash Tanchuma. Kishbochu comes to Avram Avinu and he tells Avram Avinu to bring his child up for a carbon for the Kedas Yitzchak. Okay? Hashem says to Avram Avinu, take your son. Amalo, Ezeben. Hashem, which son? It made more sense to take your Shmuel. Hashem told Yitzchak, told Avram that Yitzchak is going to be your generations to come. So if you tell me to take a son, you must mean your Shmuel. Which son? Amalai, HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, it's Yechidcha, your only real son, the only real one. Amalai, Avraham Avinu says to Hashem, Zeyachid li'imah v'zeyachid li'imah. Hagar had one child, that's an only child, and Sarah had one child. I don't know who you're talking about. I don't know if it's, if it's Yishmael or Avram. Okay. Amalai, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to him, Asher hafta, the one that you love. Amalai, Shneim I ahev. Avram says, I don't know, I still don't know who you're talking about. I, I love them both. Amalo, HaKadosh Baruch says to him, The one you love more. Amalo, Avram Avinu says to Hashem, I still don't know who you're talking about. Is there a boundary of love? Like you can't have enough room in your heart to love them both like unbelievable? Amalo es Yitzchak, Hashem said, I see that all this explanation is not getting me anywhere. I have to be very clear, Yitzchak. So the kasha is, what the whole story, just say es Yitzchak. Es say Yitzchak. And the answer is that God wanted to teach us something here. He wanted Avraham Avinu to go through this whole thing. Which one? The one, the only one? No, I have them both. The one you love? No, I love them both. The one you love more? No, there's no such thing, Hashem. I don't even understand what you're saying. So what we're being taught here is that a teacher and a parent, it's not, it's not like there's a gavul. It's not a limit of loving your students. It's not like, well, I have 25 kids. You expect me to love them all, Rabbi Walton? I should get along with all of them? Says the Ramavino, I don't understand people who don't. I don't understand. There's a boundary inside your heart, inside your soul, 
There's a boundary of how much you can love a child? There's no such boundary. I don't even know what you're talking about. That's a chidah. That's a medrash. One more thing, and then I'll tell you an unbelievable story. This is from the Eitzah place at Tyra. Avraham Avinu's relationship with Yishmael. So you would think Yishmael was a big Russia, and Avraham Avinu threw him out of the house. And sorry, he made a wanted him out of the house. So there are times, there are times, right? Avraham Avinu was the best in Kirov. Believe me, there's no one in Kirov today that was like Avraham Avinu. And Avraham Avinu was like, just, I'll work on him. I'll, I'll bring him back. And I, sorry, he made it like, it's very nice. You can work on him outside the house. But inside the house, he's affecting my son Yitzchak. And Avraham Avinu didn't agree with her. They didn't have an agreement here. She said, I'm protecting my Yitzchak. Avraham Avinu said, but I have another son that I love very much. He's Yishmael. I can have them both. And they went to Hashem. Hashem Paskind. No, there are times where you can't, you can't have them both. He's, he's teaching him how to steal. He's teaching him how to kill. He's, steal, he's teaching him how to use a bow and arrow. He's taking him down. He, he's, he's affecting him. He's, he's, he's taking him down the wrong derech. You got to let him go. But Avram Avinu, as we just saw, loved Yishmael very much. So he made a deal with Sarimeno. And he said he wants to go visit him. And Sarimeno said, after three years, I don't understand exactly. He had to swear to Sarah that when he goes to visit Yishmael, he won't get off the camel. In other words, you want to go say hello, say hello. But I don't want you moving in with him. So she was very worried that he's going to end up there. He loves him very much. And who knows if he's going to come back. Who knows it's going to be. So he swore that I'm going to go visit Yishmael, but I'm not getting off the camel. Okay? So Avraham Avinu goes to visit Yishmael. And he comes to Yishmael's house, midday. And he meets the wife of Yishmael. Where's Yishmael? He went with Hagar, his mother, to gather dates in the Midbar. So Avraham Avinu says to this wife of Yishmael, could you give me some bread and some water? I'm very hungry and I'm very thirsty. Amalah, she says to him, to Avraham Avinu, Ein lechem mayim. I'm sorry, uh, he doesn't know who he is. We don't have any water, we don't have any bread. So Avraham Avinu tells her to give a message to Yishmael. To Gidolo, tell him the following things. That an old man came to visit him from Eretz Canaan and that he should know that his house will one day collapse. That's the message. Shmuel comes home. His wife said there was some old man came from, from Canaan. And he said, I should give you a message. What's the message? Your house is going to collapse. He knew right away that it was his father, Avram. So he knew why. He said to her, what happened? She said, he asked me for food. I told him I don't have. Immediately, Shigirash Yishmael is Ishtai. He divorced her on the spot. And he sent her away. And he married another girl. Her name was Petuma, Fatima. It's actually a, an Arabic name. Okay. What happens? He goes home. And when he goes home, he waits another three years. And after these three years, he asks Sarimeno, can I go back to visit him? So he loved Yishmael very, very much. He comes back three years later. Yishmael is not there. He says to the wife, where, where is he? She says she went out to, to feed the camels with his mothers. He said, Avraham Avinu said, could you give me some water and some bread? I'm very tired. She runs. She brings him water. She brings him bed, bread. Avraham gets up and he starts davening for Yishmael. He blesses Yishmael that he should have all good and all the brachas. Yishmael comes home. His wife says, some old man came and I gave him bread and water and he started praying for you that the house is going to be full of good. And Yishmael realized that my father really loves me and he really cares about me. Look at this. He came twice already in six years and now he gave me brachas and he realized that he did the right thing by marrying Fatuma, which comes from the word feeding, stuffing. Listen to what he says. This is amazing. And even though he sent them out, and Hashem told him to send them out, Ladies and gentlemen, you throw a kid out of your house. You throw your kid out of your house. 
And then you come to his house and tell him what to do? Yishmael should have said, you, 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 you're telling me that my house is going to fall? You're giving me mustard because my wife didn't give you to eat? Who are you to give me mustard? You threw me out of your house. It's none of your business. But for some reason, Yishmael was Makabel the mustard, divorced the wife, married another wife, and we're all very scared in this generation of discipline. It's all unconditional love, which is not what we all think it means. Because what everyone thinks unconditional love means that you give kids whatever they want. But that's not unconditional love. That's on condition that the kid likes me. If I know that I'm going to give my child everything he wants and he's still not going to like me. I'm not going to give him everything he wants. I'm giving him everything he wants because I want a relationship with him. So even though I might be giving him things and there are people that are preaching to give your kids wrong things and to help them do wrong things because you need to have a relationship with them, it's totally wrong because that's not unconditional love. That's on the condition that you're going to love me. So I'm giving you stuff that I know is not good for you, but I want you to love me. Unconditional love means it doesn't matter whether you love me or not. I'm going to do the right thing for you. So Avraham Avinu had unconditional love. He said, I don't care that I throw him out. It doesn't matter. If he has a wife that's, I brought up my child to do chesed. Yishmo was brought up in a house of chesed. And she's not giving me water or bread. I'm going to tell him that your wife's no good and this house is going to collapse. So he gave him muster even though he threw him out of the house. It's a chiddush gadol. And that Yishmo accepted it. And that he divorced her on the spot. But he goes to the final step. And the final step he says, which is, this is, this is, my Rebbe, this is what, this is the way we think. That discipline, there's nothing wrong with discipline. As long as the kid knows that it's coming from love. If it's not coming from love, don't tell me what to do. The Ramam says, hug him and hit him. Doesn't mean hit him. Hug him and give them musha. But the, the musha can't come before the hug. If I know you love me, then I know that what you're telling me to do is coming from a place that you really care about me. But if I don't think you love me, who are you to tell me what to do? Cause you got a problem, so you're yelling at me. So the first thing a teacher needs to do, the first thing the kids need to do, need to know, is that you love them. And how do you show that you love them? The only way you could show someone that you love them is by giving them time. Because the most precious thing that we have, not by giving them a good mark, the most precious thing that a human being has in this world is time. You can't live a millionth of a second without time. You can live without breathing. You can hold your breath. You can live without food. You can live without water. You can live without love. You can live without Hashem. There are atheists in the world. They're all living. But when your time is up, it's up. So the hardest thing to give someone is the most precious thing you have, which is time. Whether it's a marriage relationship, whether it's a relationship with God, whether it's a relationship with a student, with any relationship in the world, you want to show someone that you care, you have to give the hardest thing, that, that the most important thing that you have, which is time. A teacher has to give their students time. And time outside of the class. And I know it's not fair, Robert Wallerstein. I, I, I don't get paid for this, what it is. All right, so then don't do it. Then don't do it. Get a job that pays you a lot more. Because children, a teacher to a child, can, you can destroy him, you can destroy her, or you can make them. And sometimes they come from families that are very dysfunctional, and they need a functional teacher, not a dysfunctional teacher. They need someone that cares about them, that took them for lunch, that invited them for Shabbos, that sat next to them by lunch and said, how you doing? I gave a shir this morning, and the whole shir was based on madua. Forget about the what's and, 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 and think about the why's. Because if you fix the what's, you don't fix the why. But if you fix the why, you fix the what's. And it's, it's impossible. It's impossible. And the rabbi sitting here, it's impossible. I'm a rabbi. I have 25 kids in my class. One has an IQ of 155 and one has an IQ of 105. One kid has a memory. He remembers everything he sees. And the other kid doesn't remember what he had for breakfast this morning. And one kid comes from a home with a mother and father all lovey-dovey. And every morning he comes to school and he's such a good place. And his mother made him breakfast and his, his clothing smells geschmack because her mother had this beautiful, you know, the bounce and all that stuff that's in the dryer. And he smells great. And the other mother's laying in bed and she's depressed and the husband's screaming you lazy thing get out of bed and the husband's like I'm not coming home tonight and the poor kid he hears that of course his father's coming home but in his head my father's never coming home and, and, and my whole family and my mother is sick and he comes to school and he's shaking and he's depressed and you put these 25 kids and they're all sitting next to each other and then you give them the same test and you teach them the same material how could that be fair how could that work how is that possible to work? I have a kid with 155 IQ and a kid with 105 IQ. 
How could it work? How could one kid sitting quietly? He can't wait to get home and have supper. The other kids, I'm going to go home. My father's not going to be there. Life is over. He's shaking. So they're all individuals. They're called a class, but they're all in a class of their own. They're all individuals. You can't teach them the same thing and give them the same test. I always say the right side of the report card should be put in the Kosa Maravi. That's God's report card. You gave this kid a dysfunctional family. You gave this kid a terrible IQ. You gave this kid ADD. You gave this kid learning dysfunctions and learning disabilities. That's not his fault. That mark goes into the Kosa Maravi. That's Hashem's report card. The left side of the report card, the conduct and the effort and the interpersonal relationships, that's his report card. And people, every time I say that, they come, yeah, you probably didn't do well in school, Rabbi. You probably didn't do well. That's why you said, oh, no, it's not true. This is not why. I'm, I'm, I'm a Rebbe. I'm dealing with this. So very much, I based a lot of my, my marks on asking kids orally. I knew what every kid in my class knew before I gave them a test. So the kid that I knew didn't have the greatest ability, I asked him a question a little bit above his ability. And I knew which each kid, and therefore, whatever they got on the test, whatever it was, it didn't really count that much. What counted, what I put on the report card, is the kid's effort. If he's, if he's working 100%, how could you give him anything less than an olive? If I have an IQ of 95, and I am working as hard as I can, and you put on the left side of the report card, in effort, you put an S, or an S+, plus, or an olive, or an A, then every mark on the right side should be 100. Because he's doing 100% of what he can do. How could you give him a 60 or a 70? Oh, 70% of the rest of the class. Well, God didn't give him 155 IQ. So how do you mark that test? But Ray Watson, you can't change the system. There's a system in Shemayim. You can't change the system, they're going to fire me. I know, but I can't give a kid a 70 who's, who's 100% effort. How can I do that to him? And why am I writing failing in red on top of his report? You think when you, on Yom Kippur, Hashem writes, Russia! In red, circle, have it signed by your parents. These are our children. You're making them and you're breaking them. Every good word, every nice letter, even if the kid gets a 60, you're right. I see that you're trying he knows he failed. Kids know. I had a girl in my office who's in a very bad place. And she's in high school. And I asked to see her report card. And she had a 95 in science. I never got it. It took me three, three tests together to get a 95 in science. I'm kidding. But whatever. But two tests. But anyway. But I said, what's, what's the problem? She said, right, Wallstein, look what's next to my 95. And her 85 and her 90s and M. I said, okay, it's modified. I understand that. So I said, a lot of kids can't test well writing because their head and their hands are not that connected. But modified means that the teacher is responsible to ask the child the same test. And you see that many times. They get it wrong on the test. When you ask them the question, they know it, right? So it's modified. She goes, Rabbi, M doesn't stand for modified. It stands for moron. I said, come on. She goes, I know I'm a moron. I'm not like everyone else in my class. I know I have to go to special classes and they, they take me out in the middle. You think I don't know what, I'm, what I am? I'm a moron, Rabbi. I said, I, whatever I had to answer, I answered them. You, you think your kids in your class are not sensitive? Ladies and gentlemen, you are going to make this child's life or not. What do you need this job for? You need a responsibility of bringing up someone else's children? So the answer is, if you do it right... You're in the highest place in the world. A good Rebbe, a good Mora. I cannot tell you how many children you can save that at home are being abused and going through total dysfunction. It's your child. In Shemayim Hashem considers it your child. If you talk to that child, that is my son and that is my daughter. And this is what is going to bring Mashiach. Rabbi, come on, you're getting a little bit cuckoo here. Can bring Mashiach? I'm going to show you that this is what's going to bring Mashiach. Let's go to Rus. Right, who was Rus? Great-grandmother of David Melech. Mashiach comes from Rus. How did, how was Rus saved? How did Rus become who she is? So I talk about this every Shavuos. Listen to this. Rus was hated. 
Rush was from Moab. Moab was considered the lowlifes. They were the ones, the most immoral. They took us in Avas Moab. We lost 24,000 Jews died because of Moab. We, Moabim, are not allowed into Klai Yisrael for two reasons. One, what they did. And two, they're kafitayv. We saved Lot. We came for food and water. They say we don't have any food and water. So the Jewish people were not interested in Moab. Along, along comes this girl, Rus, a guy who married a Jew, okay, which we don't like. We don't like her already. And her husband died because he married a guy, right? She comes to, she comes to Eretz Yisrael and she goes into a field and she's collecting leket. And who comes into the field? The Gadol Hadar, the Ramosha Feinstein, the Rav Chaim Kainevsky, the Satmar Rebbe, the Babachar, whoever you want, right? The Gadol Hadar, Boaz, comes to his field. What does he say? Number one, number one, and this is something that would be very good to do in class. He comes to the field, he has a bunch of workers. How does he introduce himself? He says to his work, he didn't say, are you here on time? How much did you do today? Let me see what you did. What's going on? He says, Hashem imachem. He walks in and the first thing he says to his workers, God should be with you. Now when you have that relationship with your workers, what do you get back from them? They said to him, how many workers tell their boss, God should bless you? Imagine you walk into class in the morning, and instead of saying, get in your seat, put your potato chips away, take out your homework, where's your book, tuck in your shirt, instead of opening the day like that, you walk into class and you're like, everybody, Hashem should be with you today. On your test, when you're learning, when you go to play ball, Hashem should be with you a whole day. And your class looks at you and says, Mora, Rebbe, you should be gebenched. You're going to have the most amazing class. I tell this to parents. That's how your children should go to school. You should say, Hashem should bless you today. And if you have a multiple choice test and you have to guess, he should put all the right answers in your head. Otherwise, you got to study. The rest of that stuff, you got to study. But if you're going to guess, at least you should be able to guess the right stuff. HaKadosh Baruch Hu should be with you a whole day. And the lunch they give you in school should be something that's edible. And everything should go great on the bus and you should feel good, and you should come home, and you should do great, and they turn to his father and mother and say, Mommy, you should be gebenched, Tati, you should be gebenched, and probably we'll have no more Shalom Bayez problems, and no more kids off the derech. Boaz, first thing he said, when he met his workers, is God should be with you. We have a lot of complaints today that we teach subject matter, but we don't teach God. Kids get hundreds on Gemara and all kinds, but they have no idea, they have no relationship with Hashem. Like, Hashem? Oh, he's in the Gemara, I don't know, every once in a while, but no. Like, Teiku, yeah, Mashiach will come, he'll give us an answer. There's no connection. But if you start your class with Hashem should be with you, it's all about Hashem, right? Yosef was Ishmat Sliach. Why? Because all he did all day long was talk about Hashem. The teachers, you need to talk about Hashem. He's like, like the main thing. He's like the main, main thing we should be teaching. It's not the knowledge of the book, of the text. Hashem didn't give us text when he gave us the Torah. My daughter was, one of my daughters came late to school, so they, they gave her... A, a, a really tough homework in the school that she was, and they made her write ten kapitluch to Hillam five times. She came home, she said, my punishment, I said, what's your punishment? Ten kapitluch, while she's Sunday, they, I forgot what they call they make you stay in school, Sunday, whatever it's called, what is it called? Detention. detention, good word, no? Nice. People who kill people and do things, they get detention, they go to a detention center. So we're in yeshiva, we're saying, detention, it's a good word for a kid, no? Where are you going? Detention. All right, that's where I'm going, okay. So, that was her homework. I was, I was on fire. I was like, what? My daughter's going to grow up. Someone's going to be sick. They're going to ask her to, to say to Hillam, she's going to say, what did I do wrong? Like, to Hillam was a punishment. I said, I don't think David Amelech wrote to Hillam as a punishment. Then David Amelech had one really bad day. You know what he did? He said, I'm going to get all those kids. I'm going to write Kufya tests. Ha <laughs> ha. I really got him good, right? What? what? What are we doing? What are you doing? The Torah, Torah is Hashem. This is something that our kids need to love. So you need to start your class talking about Hashem. So what do you think Hashem did for you yesterday? At the edge of your bed tonight, last night, what did you ask Hashem for? Did you get it? Are you going to get it? You think you're going to get it? 
Maybe ask him again tomorrow night. Relationship. That's where the Torah, that's the whole thing. Spending, learning Torah is to bring us close to a Baruch Hu. Teachers, you need to talk about Hashem. Potifa, the lowest piece of garbage in Mitzrayim. The Pusik says that he says, I know that Yosef is an Ishmaqliach because Hashem is with him. He taught Potifa that Hashem was with him by saying, Baruch Hashem, Emir Hashem. Potifa, you can't, we can't teach Jewish children that. Okay, anyway, so now he meets this Moabi. First he asks his boy that's working there, he says, um, this Nara Hamovia, right? Who's, who's this girl? She's curtsying, she's not bending over. So this guy, of course, doesn't like her. So he says, oh, she, don't, don't, Boaz, don't pay attention to her. She didn't go to base Yaakov. She's a Nara Moavia. She came back with Naomi, you know, Naomi, she came back. Her, her boy, her husband died, her boys died. What are you paying attention to this? Listen to this passage. It's, it's, the, it's the bringing of Mashiach. So he meets her. Vayomar Boaz el Rus. Hello, Shemata Biti. I heard about you, my daughter. My daughter? She's a shiksa. My daughter? The Gadol Hadar is calling a Moavia Biti? And I don't mean Biti Balchuva. Biti, my daughter, right? That's what he calls her. Altechi, don't go anymore. But Tiba she falls on her face. But but Why? Why do I find favor in your eyes? I'm, I'm a Movia. Why are you calling me your daughter? Like, what's going on over here? And this is what she says. Lahakireni, which is the most important word. Why are you giving me recognition? You're calling me Biti means you're giving me recognition. She's asking him the question. I'm a guy. Why would the Gal Hadar call me Biti? And Boaz says, I know about you. And I know that you left your father's house. And I know that you came to a strange land. And I know what happened to you. And therefore, I am focusing not on that, that you're a Moavia, but I am focusing that you are special, and that you were willing to give up for Yiddishkeit, and that you suffered. I am focusing on what you went through. Listen to what she says. I found favor. Because you consoled me, which means she was in pain. And you spoke to my heart, not to my ears, to my heart. And then she makes the biggest comment, and I talk about this to teachers all the time. And she makes a statement, an unbelievable statement. And she says, because you called me BT, because you gave me recognition, I promise you, that's what she says, I promise you that I will not be, I will not be a regular girl. I will not be like anyone else. I will be a superstar. I will be special. Do you know why? Because someone believes in me. Every kid in your class needs to know that my mora, my teacher, believes in me. And if they know that you will never give up on them, they will never give up on themselves. There are so many children, there are so many children with low self-esteem that have given up at the age of 12 and 13 and 14, already given up on themselves. You have the ability to tell them that you're a superstar. And that even though you're struggling in school, maybe I also struggled in school, but you know what? You're the nicest kid and you always say good morning to me and you're always smiling. And hello, that's, that's huge. You need to give them something. Something, like the rabbi was saying, if they're talented, you need, to, you need to develop that. Whatever they have, you need to develop because there's no one in this world that God gave nothing to or he's not God. If he didn't, get, he put a person in this world and gave them no chance to succeed, then he's not Hashem. What are you playing games? You're, you're putting people through pain. Then you're not Hashem. I had this yesterday with a girl who came to me. She said, I, "I don't believe in Hashem." I said, "Why don't you believe in Hashem?" He said, "Because because I see so much pain. Why would He create a will with so much pain?" And I said to her, "Well, if you don't believe in God, then pain's random. Just things happen, right? Theory of randomness. So what are you what are you upset about? Who are you upset about? There's no Hashem." And you're just not lucky. This person got sick. This person died. This person doesn't have kids. This person didn't get married. And you don't believe in Hashem. So it's the theory of randomness. Just stuff happens. And so then who are you angry at? 
random? Like, who are you angry at? So then you're not angry at anyone. And if you think that Hashem puts pain into this world just for the fun of it, like there's no reason for it, then he's not God. Because the God that I believe in would never cause pain to someone for no reason. So then he's not God. So if he's not God, you can't be angry at him either. And if you believe that he does things for a reason, then you also can't be angry at him because there's a reason. So no matter how you look at it, if you don't believe in him, what are you angry about? If you do believe in him, then you believe that he doesn't just stop hurt people. So then he's doing it for a reason. If he's doing it for a reason, you have no reason to be angry. So she said, like, could you repeat that? He repeated it two more times. Then Baruch Hashem, she walked out. She was good. She was good. So every kid needs to know in your class, just, just a good word. Just something good. You don't understand how many kids, how much it means to every single one of them. So I'm going to end with this story. If I have a chance to, but probably only one. And the story goes like this. Two, two stories that happened to me. One, there was a fourth grader in Kranite's Yeshiva. He was, uh, he was on the spectrum. He was on the spectrum, definitely. And he was a schlamazel. He had stuff growing in his briefcase, sardine sandwiches, that were already totally penicillin. Like, this was the kid with the tits hanging out from, uh, from a zipper, and um, his... His, his, he, he was dirty, he didn't take showers, whatever it was. Very dysfunctional family, and this kid himself was not very smart, and just, just was, all the kids didn't like him in class. They didn't like him. He just said the weirdest things. He made noises in the back of the class. It's like nobody liked him, but he was there. And they decided they're going to let him go. We can't have him in yeshiva. He just disturbs everybody. He's not doing well anyway. I said, you know what? Give, give me a week with him. Give me a week or two with him. Maybe I could turn him around. Okay? You're going to give me a week or two with him. So during lunchtime, I went downstairs, and I used to sit next to him. And I told him, I don't know why, where they were up to, whatever. They were, I was teaching him Yisro seven names. Yesse, Yisro, Patio, Ruel, all the different names. And I said, Yisro had seven names. He didn't only have one name. But he had Chayvav. He had a bunch of different names. And I would sit there every day, and I would say, Yisro has seven names. How many names does Yisro have? Five. No. Yisro has seven names. How many Yisro that? Three. And I'm like, no. Seven. And this went on for like two weeks. And I kept telling him seven, 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 seven. Finally got it. Anyway, I come into class, and the teachers here that are, that are from my yeshiva know this, that recess to the boys is bigger than Mashiach. You want Mashiach or recess? Recess. Recess, I'm sure by the girls' schools. Recess? Extra recess? They'll do anything for extra recess. So I come into the class, fourth grade, and during Hebrew, and I'm like, I'm going to ask a question to the class, and if someone in this class gets it right, 15 minutes extra recess for the next week. And they're like, what? And the teacher's looking at me, I'm like, okay, here we go. Here's the question. They're only fourth graders. They had no idea, yes or how many names he has, whatever it is. But this kid knew. I, hel- I helped. I hoped he knew. I get up and I say, okay, if anyone can tell me how many names Yisro had... I want you to write it on a piece of paper, because if you say it right, and then everyone agrees, this is not going to count. I want everybody to write on a piece of paper how many names he had. If anyone gets it right in the class, the whole class gets recessed for an extra week. They're like, okay, one kid's right. One, three, two, one. Most of them were one. They didn't know. They didn't know. This kid's sitting in the corner. I get all the papers, and I go through them, and my kid didn't answer. He doesn't write an answer. He didn't give in a paper. And I'm going through one wrong, two wrong, and all the kids are, oh... Three wrong. Oh, can we do it again? Can we do it again? And I'm like, Chaim, you didn't give me a paper. Oh, I, I don't know. What did you ask? I'm like, Chaim, listen to me. I was standing over his desk. Chaim, listen to me. How many names did Yisro have? And he looks at me like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I cannot believe this. I set this whole thing up. I wasted two weeks, right? I'm like, you know, lunch, remember lunch? We were sitting together one day and we were like talking. How many names? You remember names? Yes, your names. He looks up at me. Hashem's my witness. Safe turtle behind me. He looks up at me and he goes, I think seven. And the whole class is looking like, he's an idiot. He doesn't even know what seven. Yes, I have seven names. And I'm like, right? How did you know that? Right? Totally forgot that I taught it to him. Totally. Didn't say, oh, you told me? No. Totally forgot that I told him. The class jumped on this kid like, like he, won the, he won the NFL superstar. He was a superstar of all of the whole world. An extra week of recess. Let me tell you something. I'm not telling you he graduated my, my school exactly very brilliant. 
but he made it through. And he was a 65, 66, sometimes a 70, and he really tried, but all the kids became his best friend because Chaim got them extra resources. What did I do? What did I do? The whole thing wasn't really legal, right? I, I set it up. But I made him believe in himself, even though he doesn't realize that I'm the guy who did the whole thing. But he thought he's a genius, seven, and everyone's jumping on him. So once he had that, once you believe in yourself, then you believe you can do anything. You've got to give a kid, even if you have to set it up as a teacher, you've got to give a kid belief that he can do it. By Yemar and Yaakov, very famous, Rav Shimshim Pincus, says that when Potiphar's wife tried to get him, it says, Vayimoyen Yosef. And on the, on the Vayimoyen is a shalshelas. So shalshelas is a musical instrument. It's, it's trop, right? And it's Vayimoyen, right? It's a, it's a corkscrew. It's a chain. Chain connect two things. So Rav Shimshin said, what is this Vayimoyen connected to? So there's another Vayimoyen in the Pasuk, Vayimoyen Yaakov in the Pasha Lehisnachim. Yaakov refused to have Nechama. Why? He said, until you bring me a dead body, you brought me a coat, it's full of blood, tarf, tarf, yosef, all that, but there's something very wrong here because the coat actually was the coat from Nimrod and Nimrod's coat protected you from animals. So Yaakov Avinu knew, the, he knew there was something wrong over here. So he says, I'm not giving up on my child. So Rav Shimshin said that the Yemoyen Yosef, the ability of Yosef to refuse Potiphar's wife in such a situation came because he knew, right? He saw his father. What does it mean he saw his father? He knew that there's someone in the world that also refuses to give up on him. So the Vayimoyen Yaakov Lehisnachem is connected to the Vayimoyen Yosef. When a child knows that you're not willing ever to give up on him, he will never give up on himself. He needs to know that his teacher will not ever give up. We will try, we will do, we will do, we'll, do, we'll set it up, whatever we have to do, I will never give up on you. And the last thing, I have three more minutes, the last thing is a story, it's the cupcake story. And I think probably the most important thing that I could tell a parent or a teacher is the story that happened to me. So, I was very close to my students, and I used to feed them. That's how Rebbe, I used to feed them. Every morning, I bought them Entenmann cupcakes that, that were cream-filled, and after davening, we would come upstairs, and everybody would eat it. I also loved these cupcakes, and I would have one by my desk, but I wouldn't have that till recess. I didn't eat it before, before class. One day, I come up after recess, and my cupcake is gone. But not only is it gone, but the paper, the wrapper is on the ta- on my desk, eaten, empty. So the kid, the chutzpanik, who took my cupcake, left the wrapper. So I was on fire. And I, I, I loved my kids, but no, you don't eat my cupcake, which sounds very silly, right? Because I'm very into, I'm very into, I, I, I take care of these kids. I fed them, I took the kosher light, I bought them chicken, I bought them potato chips, I, I fed them all the time, I did whatever they wanted, whatever they needed. We went to basketball games and baseball games and football. I was like, I was that Rebbe that gave you everything. You were my house for shops. I gave you everything. My cupcake, come on. Come on, if you're hungry, come and ask me. Don't eat my cupcake and leave my wrapper. Anyway, I got up in class, I'm on fire. I'm like, who, I'm not giving recess again to this class. We had three months left today until the guy who ate my cupcake comes and tells me. So the whole class is like, ooh, ooh, whoever it is, right? Anyway, lunchtime, kid comes upstairs and says, Rebbe, and of course, who is it? It's the kid that I gave the most love to. You can ask my wife, this kid, I died for this kid. I did everything for this kid. That's the guy who ate my cupcake. He says, Rebbe, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. I just, it was there, and I came up. I said, you're sorry? I said, you took your hand, you stuck it down my throat, into my stomach, and you took my cupcake out. I said, I want to know one thing. What were you thinking? When you came to the desk, you know it's Rebbe's cupcake. Run downstairs, say, Rebbe, I'm hungry, can I have your cupcake? What were you thinking when you're putting that food down your mouth? I'm eating Rebbe's cupcake. You had no problem. I need to know what's going on in your brain. I was so upset. He's like, I'm sorry, I wasn't thinking. I said, why'd you leave the wrapper? I thought that was cute. I said, I don't think that's cute. I said, you know what? I quoted the Rambam. I quoted Hilchav Talmud. I can't teach you. I don't like you anymore. I don't like you. I gave you my life. You took my car. I don't like, I, I can't teach you. You're going to go to seventh grade and make sure when we graduate, the day before you come back to class, I'm not going to stop you from graduating. I can't see you in my class. I don't like you. Okay? So I'm on my way out of school. My Goldstein's there, the principal. He says, Rabbi Wallstein, I heard you left, what's his name? You left them back. You're, not, you're the one who always defends them. Like, what did he do? It sounded so silly coming out of my mouth. I'm like, he ate my cupcake. <laughs> Rabbi Goldstein looked at me and said, he ate your cupcake? You left them back because he ate your cupcake? I'm like, I don't want to get into it. I don't want to get into it, you. I come home, it's a true story. 
I come home, I'm on fire. My wife's like, what happened in school? I'm like, SD, so-and-so, which is, she knew with my boy, he ate my cupcake. She's like, and? I'm like, what do you mean, and? He ate my cupcake. She goes, you, you, you're going crazy? Because I said, where's that? She, he's a coffee toy. She said, I want, my wife's very smart. She said, I want to ask you a question. She said, if another Rebbe from another yeshiva would have called you and said, I had a cupcake and was on my desk and the kid left the wrapper, what should I do to him? What would you say? I'd say, first of all, I like the kid because I like to leaving the wrap a bit. That's cute. I like that, right? That's what I would say about another Rebbe. And I would say, you know what? He's pro- if, you, if he's so close to you and he ate your cupcake, he's probably starving. I would, if I were you, I would go to his house and check his cupboards and check his refrigerator. He probably has no food. If he went so far to eat the Rebbe's cupcake, he must be starving. So my wife looks at me and says, so why are you so upset? Why don't you take what you would have told the other Rebbe to do? Like, did you check his house to see if he has no food? Did you say it's so cute that he left the wrapper? I said, because he did it to me. If he does it to other Rebbe, it's funny, but he did it to me. She said, so you're taking it personally. She said, let me ask you something else. If you would have done it to another kid in the class, and the kid would have left his cupcake, and you came upstairs, and the wrapper is there, and the cupcake is gone, what would you have done? Would you have left him back? I said, no, I would have. Tomorrow, that kid gets your cupcake. You're going to get punished. You're going to lose your cupcake. So she said, so, so make him that tomorrow you won't give him a cupcake. Why are you flipping out? You left him back. I said, because he did it to me. So she said, if you want to be a teacher, don't take things personally. He didn't do it to you. He didn't say, Hini, Muhammad, I want to hurt my Rebbe so much. He said, I'm hungry. He's not here. He's downstairs with the Rebbe. I'm going to eat it. It's funny. It's cute. He didn't do it to you. So as teachers, I, the most important thing that I'm telling you today, and as parents, when a parent asks their kid to be home at 11, they show up at 11.30, they're, they're going crazy. The kid didn't say, I wanted my mother to go crazy. The kid was playing, whatever it was, and they came home late. But if your friend would call and say, my daughter came home a half an hour late, you would say, sit down with her, talk to her, show her a lot of love, try to find out you know, where she was. So why are you freaking out? Because my daughter did it to me. My student did it to me. Your students are not here to hurt you. And they don't sit in class and say, I want to be bad because I want to hurt my mora. So my advice from my whole share today is before you react to a kid in your class, think about if another teacher called you with the same situation, whatever advice you would give that teacher, that's the advice you should take yourself. Because the advice you give the other teacher is not personal. And when you treat children and you don't take it personally, it's a whole different treatment. And my bracha to all of you is that after May of Esri, Mashiach should be before that, Yutaka should stand in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and say, your child, my child, and Hashem will put us all on the highest level in Gan Eden. Thank you. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.